Hello everyone, my name is Rochelle Innocent and I'm the founder and CEO of Project Purpose. Welcome to our channel. Our community is focused on fostering the intellectual and character development in children. We do this through our parent-child workshops that are focused on four themes. Autonomy, self-efficacy, compassion, and self-concept in order to cultivate grit, perseverance, and resilience in each child. At Project Purpose, our overarching mandate is to renew and rebuild family, community, and relationships. Our different social media platforms provide us with an opportunity to have discussions and to create space on all topics that relate to family, community, and relationships with ourselves as well as with others, with a primary focus on mental health and education. More precisely, the ways that the institutions of mental health and education play a role in have played a role in our societies at large. These discussions and debates provide us with an opportunity to think critically about what needs to change within these structures for us to live up to our bold slogan, support, protect, and empower each child through youth-focused development, better known as leadership in juvenescence. We recognize that in valuing our children's leadership potential, this also translates as recreating and co-creating environments, both socially and politically, that will enable our children to thrive. For those of you who are particularly keen on the topic, we also write thought pieces every other Sunday. We actually just dropped a thought piece this past Sunday. So be sure to meander over to the website and check out our online content. Now, if it is the case that you are looking for a listening alternative, well, we're available available on 12 different podcast platforms for your listening leisure and we've provided you with access to the links in the description down below. Now as is the convention, be sure to subscribe, hit that post notification bell so that you are aware of every time we post and of course if you like these conversations and you want to keep them going, like, comment and share this segment. Let's get into it. <laughs> Hello, Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another segment here on Project Purpose. For those of you who are new, we cover topics that relate to mental health, mental wellness, and education on a week-by-week -week basis. And today our topic of discussion is mental wellness. And on the topic of discussion of mental wellness, as we're approaching the month of March, which is a very significant month for me, actually, and I'll get into that in just a little bit, I want to continue the conversation that I started in our end-of-year conversations around prepping ourselves for success for the new year around recovery. I talk a little bit about my new year's resolutions and how in 2023 my focus is going to be on recovery and because now we're nearing the end of Q1 so the end of the first quarter of the year I figured that let's have this conversation today on mental health on recovery and how that has translated for me. I'm hoping that in sharing this journey it will help some of you who are also on your own personal healing journey towards recovery. Now depending on how long you've been on the platform you are aware or you were made aware at one point I had put a video out in August I believe of 2021 where I pretty much was doing an SOS I was really asking for my peers people in my professional and my personal network to support me because I was dealing with an escalating stalking situation and since then I have not broached the topic I did two videos on that in August of 2021 and I didn't broach the topic again and just for reference I had at that point really located from Toronto to Vancouver Island and only one person really from my previous network knew where I was because again it was a very 
unsettling situation. And at that time, like I knew I was in over my head. I knew that I wasn't safe. I had no experience being in that kind of a situation. I didn't know to what extent it could escalate. I really wasn't sure. I just knew I was trying to mitigate any escalation as much as possible. So fast forward back to August of 2021, what ended up happening was they found me in Vancouver Island. So I was found there. I was in hiding from August 2021, actually until March of 2022. I was subjected to a lot of intimidation, a lot of terrorizing. I was harassed quite a bit, actually. Um, my groceries were tampered with. Like it was really a full on scale silencing campaign. Like they really wanted to silence me and make sure that I didn't continue to speak. And I think that in tandem, like my professional networks or my personal networks that I had left back in Toronto were sort of fed this narrative that my mental health wasn't okay. And so I was very isolated. I was very alone dealing with these, these, these intimidating and terrorizing tactics that were taking place. I was gang stalked at that point. So a few people, I guess, were hired to support in this experience that was created for me. And still, I didn't really have a sense as to how severe it was. Like I knew I was scared. Like I knew I was being terrorized, but I didn't really know how far it would go. I really had no periphery because I had never been put in that experience. And I think that sometimes in, in hindsight, you think about all the things people expect you to know or have expected you to have done in that situation. But if it's your first time experiencing that level of hostility, it's really hard to know what reaction is an overreaction or an underreaction. In any case, that continued well into March. And by March, it had reached a catalyst. So I was at that point in imminent danger. And I'm putting it lightly and I'm not ready to talk about all of the details pertaining to the escalation and the situation that I had experienced while I was on Vancouver Island but it escalated to a really an extent where I was no longer able to cope with it on my own and it was the first time in my life that I felt I guess in a position where <laughs> where if I didn't get help, I didn't know how it was going to end. I think that that's the best way to frame it. I was like, if no one helps me at this point, like I have done everything that I could do. Like at that point, I was running from my stalker for at least two years almost. It was starting in June of 2020 and it was continuing now until March 2022, I had reached a catalyst. And honestly, miraculously, someone caught me. Someone caught me and it was one of the most pivotal moments of my life and it was pivotal because I knew I was going to keep fighting like I knew that I wasn't going to bend or to submit I was going to keep fighting but I didn't think that anyone was going to catch me anymore like I had really felt so betrayed and so abandoned by my network while I was trying to deal with this very serious situation that was escalating to the point where I was in physical danger and someone I did not know caught me so they caught me and at that point I was brought into a program or a network for women who are escaping violence is a hotel program so that you have support and that you're not alone and I wasn't just in one hotel program I think it's very important for everyone here to know that while I was still shooting videos and trying to maintain a certain degree of normalcy I was in four hotel programs for women escaping violence as we tried together at that point because at that point I had a community of women supporting me as we tried to create distance and create some degree of stability and safety for me which I hadn't experienced at that point for almost two years for like a year and a half and there was so much involved 
in, in, in that moment. At the time I was in my fourth hotel program for women escaping violence, there were just so many things in my head that I needed to reconcile, right? And I think that for me, one of the biggest and most misguided promises I had made to myself as a child was that I was going to keep myself safe. And a lot of what I was able to accomplish, some of the adventuring that I did, it was really from a place of, well, if I can keep myself safe, then I can give myself permission to kind of explore and be adventurous and be daring. But I held myself accountable from a very, very young age at maintaining and ensuring my safety. So while I was going through these hotel programs and really getting the, the blunt truth, because I still was in denial and I was still in shock as to, to what extent it would escalate. And I had to have these women who have supported multiple women escaping the kind of violence that I was escaping, tell me that, you know, it was going to escalate to the point where it was my life that was really on the line. And I, I never at any point thought that my life was up for discussion. Like I knew I was being intimidated. I knew I was being terrorized. Like I knew that I was scared and that it was getting worse and it was getting more aggressive. And they were really, trying their best to cut me off in every possible way because I was in a very rural area. So I had to have my groceries like ordered to me. They were tampered with my groceries. I think maybe it was maybe a coping me mechanism, but my brain didn't go to the point where like, this is going to lead to someone wanting to take your life. Like that wasn't something that I had really come to terms with until like these women who were supporting me, who had supported many women who were in my position before, told me that that was where it was going. They told me that, that was where I was going. And I had to have like, and I had a moment right? Like I had to have several moments to be honest. And I'm still having moments of just trying to find how, trying to digest that information. Recognizing it, it was true, like it was getting to the point where it was very violent what I was experiencing. It was very aggressive what I was experiencing. Though it wasn't my physical body that was being harmed at that point. At that point, they were saying that that was probably going to be the subsequent step. But to think that I was in four hotel programs to escape violence, because at that point, the narrative and the smear campaign that was going against me was so strong that the people that I thought that I could have relied on were too busy focusing on the gossip and the rumors to really be of support to me in that position and in that time. I had one person help me, but then I think that she was intimidated away from my previous network. I was sort of brought in by a community of women who were, that was their normal, right? They were used to supporting women who were escaping those kinds of things, except, you know, those women generally didn't come from the same, you know, academic background as I did. They didn't have the same professional background that I did. I was the anomaly because we assume, I think I assumed that because of where I came from, because of my upbringing, because of what I was able to accomplish, that that just couldn't happen to me. And it did. And it, it shattered many narratives that I had told myself. It shattered a lot of different parts of myself because of this promise, this misguided promise that I had made to myself about being responsible for my safety. And I think my journey to mental wellness and on recovery is really dismantling that promise because part of the healing that I had to go through when I was reconciling like what took place and what was taking place as I was trying my best to commit to the promise that I had made to myself when I was too young to have made it understanding like to what extent or the different realities that I could have potentially been exposed to was that I can keep myself safe to the best of my ability but there are certain circumstances that are just beyond us and so mental wellness I think my topic of mental wellness today with the focus on recovery is really being very careful about the promises that we make to ourselves so that we make the kinds of promises that empower ourselves when we're in these dire situations where it can create a lot of misalignment internally, like a lot of inner conflict that isn't 
the most helpful because you're dealing with a war, like you're dealing with external conflict. And I think that I have learned now, like part of my recovery process, it, it involved like the decision to get back on my feet, like despite the violence, despite the fact I had several degrees of distance now from the people who were harassing me and from some of the, the stalking and the gang stalking that was taking place at that point in time. I had a choice to make. I'm like, I can either stay. And at that point I was in Duncan, Vancouver Island. I was first in Victoria, then I moved to Duncan, Vancouver Island. Um, and even sharing these details, like I haven't told anyone really where I lived for years. Like it's been like several, like a couple of years since I've shared that openly because I was just so afraid of disclosing my location. And even after my stalker found me, I still was afraid to kind of speak to where my location was. And I think that that isolated me further because no one knowing where I was made it easier for them to really cut me off in so many different ways and really have me circled. Like they had me really trapped. I was surrounded on all sides essentially. But I did decide to get back up on my feet and I thought that I needed a new start. And that new start started with like getting a new role that got me out of Canada completely. I moved to Portugal for a few months and now I'm experiencing a transition where I'm moving to United Kingdom. And of course, I'm not going to tell you like exactly where it is that I'm moving, but I'm happy to say that I'm looking to find myself and to build roots while I focus on recovery. And I'm so focused on, on this recovery process, but I think a lot of it really translated when I was trying to reintegrate myself because I was isolated and I was, you know, in a really recluse, really, really isolating area. Like Vancouver Island is not like very populated by any means. Like it was very much in the middle of nowhere. And then also I wasn't socializing a lot because I had learned to just distrust <laughs> most people, right? I felt like even if people started out with the right intentions, like because the person who was stalking me had a lot of resources at some point or another, like I wasn't sure if whether or not they flipped the script, right? Because it was just that intense and there was just that much betrayal and deception around really cutting me off on all sides and trying to get me isolated to you know further harm me so I think reintegrating back into society it was a really challenging experience I think reintegrating back into normalcy it was difficult but I think it was the right thing and I think that if I didn't force myself to do it I probably would have felt comfortable living a life in reclusion right I would have lived a life like completely off the radar AWOL forever because of how terrorized and traumatized I was by how bad that experience was and I felt like the problem was people but I think the problem is beyond people it's beyond even even like the situation that I that I was in it's really the, the narratives that I told myself during that time and the perceptions that I had about what was taking place and the fact that I really recognized how ill-equipped I was at dealing with that kind of violence. But I think the grace that I showed myself is how could I have been prepared? How could anyone be prepared to deal with those kinds of situations? I think you can't be. And I think like being isolated, being a small, traveling across the country, I mean, it exposed me to so many different experiences that were also harmful. So it's not like it was just this one harmful experience and then, you know, I was in hiding. I was really encountering a lot of very difficult, very harmful experiences along the way. And then I just ended up being in like this survival mode where I didn't really give myself the time to really think and to reflect on it. I was just focusing on keeping myself safe and, and that was the narrative. But then like post all of this, like when the dust started to settle, I had moved to Portugal. I was trying to get myself acclimatized to a new culture and to a new normal. I, I honestly thought to myself that people would be able to look at me and see the story that had just played out the last few years of my life. I thought people could look at me and see the amount of trauma and the amount of terror that I was just subjected to. And I realized that no one could see it. And 
It was such a big part of my reality for almost two and a half, three years that it was a shock to recognize that people had really no idea whatsoever what it was that I was going through. And it gave me the choice actually to decide, well, how big of a deal is this going to be to me? Like how much of my story, of my narrative, of my identity, am I going to let the situation build into? I, and I realized that it could be as big or as small as I wanted it. And I don't really know how much of it is going to play into my identity. I think I'm re recognizing more and more that it's something that took place, that I have survived. I'm so happy that I've survived it. I think I'm still surviving it. I wouldn't say that it's over, but I, I would say that I am done playing a role in the situation the way that I've played it. I, I've recognized the power of community and, and getting the support that I needed when it was the case that I was in a situation where I just could not keep myself safe because it was beyond my ability, beyond any individual person's ability to stay safe. And I think that I have also completely revoked that promise that I made to myself. I think that it was a promise a child makes to themselves when they're in a situation where they, they have felt abandoned and not safe and wanted to really recreate safety for themselves to regain some control. And I think that that's a promise that came up a lot because a lot of the self-talk that was happening as these situations and these moments and these events were taking place. And I was like, I promised myself that I would keep myself safe. And it was this promise, but it was accusatory. It was not helpful really to have this promise that I had made to myself come up and this like a questioning accusatory. This is beyond my ability to cope and I think reconciling that I have done everything that I could possibly do to maintain my safety. I am safe now, like I'm maintaining my safety to the best of my to the best of my ability now. But I think that there are certain situations and circumstances where we cannot put it on our own shoulders to stay safe. I think if people are very adamant to create a situation for you that is unstable, unsecure and and unsafe, then how can you blame yourself for that, right? And I was blaming myself for the fact that I wasn't feeling safe, which wasn't helping me try to find the appropriate avenues to create a certain degree of safety that I needed to really think ahead and think strategically about what to do moving forward. So now my recovery is first dismantling all of the promises that really made it very difficult for me to, I think, even come to terms with the amount of violence and threat that I was under. I think that that is something that I have worked through little bits at a time since March. So the last year, it was a beast of emotions to really reconcile and to work through. And, I, and I've been dealing with it bit by bit, month over month. And I find like I'm in a really strong place now. And like now, a year later in March last year, where I was in a situation where I really wasn't sure what the end was going to be for me, but I knew I was nearing some sort of ending. And then having someone catch me, I think that that was one of the most beautiful gifts that life could give me me because I wasn't sure that I would be caught. Like I felt like if I didn't keep myself safe, then no one was going to. And that was not true. And I think that it's so important that I experienced someone helping me because it taught me, you know what, as much as there are people in this world who are not prepared to help you, there are people in this world who are. And they can be strangers, right? And for me, in my scenario, it was the strangers in my life who ended up being the blessing in my life and really played into the miracle that I think is me still being able to get on here and talk about my mental wellness journey and my recovery since that event. And so I'm very happy to be on here talking about it. I'm very happy that I 
I'm in a position where I feel mentally safe to talk about like where I am in the world, where I'm going in the world. Talk a little bit about the journey of rediscovering myself, redefining myself really beyond that experience because now I'm starting to really recognize that this is an experience of many, but it's not the end all be all. And I, I've realized now, I, I, like I've been working, I was integrated in a work environment. It's not etched all over my face. It's not this tattoo. I'm not branded by this terrible experience. And at one point, like I really thought that I was, I thought that this experience damaged me and it decreased my worth. And it really, it really played into my sense of personal value because of course like people value my life so little they're trying to take it from me. I realized that those were the wrong narratives to take on and to internalize. Truly I recognize like how valuable my life is to me. Like I will fight tooth and nail for my life and I am so happy that that is still true today, right? And I'm going to celebrate every day of my life. Like I have a completely different outlook and I remember like even like at work like some of the issues I'm like I love these problems because these are the problems I would prefer to deal with than like the problems of like basic survival because I was at a point like dealing with that or the problems of trying to reconcile like how did I have such a massive community but still ended up being so isolated and so vulnerable to attack and, and, and having strangers really be the ones to pick me up. But I think now I want to really take my time to, to really frame all of the series of events that I didn't really have a proper time to fully reconcile because I was in survival mode. And I want to make sure that my story is a survivor story that inspires other people who have been in the same situation but maybe weren't as fortunate as I was to find people to catch them or who are in this position right now but aren't at the stage where they recognize that there's an avenue there are people their purpose in life is to support women who are escaping violence like that's what their purpose is and they have experience and knowledge because they've helped so many women that will help you reconcile what it is that you're going through because again there was just so much denial and so much shock because it was just a lot to take in when it was never part of the scope of experiences I thought I would ever have, right? It was never part of that scope of experiences. So now like moving on, like I feel like I'm in a great place. If I think about where I was mentally and emotionally, like I felt so shattered, I felt so beaten up, I felt so bruised by all of what took place and also what didn't take place. Like the opportunities for people who I thought were my friends, but you know, clearly my definition of friendship has shifted and changed since then, who really dropped the ball, right? Because of some of the narratives that were taking place that they allowed to skew their judgment about the situation that I was in and they left me really to fend for myself in a situation where fending for myself was really a hazard to my health quite literally and I now I like I just have only forgiveness right I have only forgiveness I think that now I've recognized for the person that I am the person that I'm becoming the networks that I'm going to build are, are going to be with people who are strong who have the ability to carry the weight of really these kinds of experiences in their shoulders because I don't think that there's anything wrong with me for the fact that I've lived through this. In fact, I'm going to celebrate myself for having pushed through this and now going to use my platform to help other women push through similar situations or help other people. It doesn't necessarily need to be women. The things that I've been through are things that people, regardless of their gender, have been through. But my mental wellness journey is just recognizing that there are things that happen to us that are beyond our realm of control and that's okay. And part of healing was like recognizing that me not being able to support myself was okay, right? It was okay because the situation was beyond my ability to support myself. It was beyond my ability for me to help myself at that stage. But someone was there to catch me and it was not expected. It wasn't the person that I thought it, it, it would be. Like it wasn't the people that I thought were in my corner, but there was someone there to catch me. and. 
I want for those of you who are here watching, focusing on your mental wellness, I don't know if what situation you're in, but a lot of the times, if it is the case that you're feeling hopeless because the people who you think should be in your corner aren't, there are so many people that you would never, that would never cross your mind who are so ready and so prepared to be of support to you. And it's just important to know that community is more than the community you think you have. It's the community that you don't realize is in your corner. It's the community of, of strangers and, and nameless people who want to support and want to protect and want to empower where they have the opportunity to do so and if given the chance to do so. And I want to do my best to really bring to light this hidden community of superheroes really who are there to lend support and to be helpful and to give us another opportunity to really rebuild our lives, not informed by the trauma and by the terror that we experience. And I'm like so happy that I reintegrated and I started working again and I recognized that I was still able to be normal, right? Like this experience wasn't so big and so heavy that it took away my ability to enjoy like the little things in life and enjoy like the little normalcies in life and still be irritated by like the coffee machine, right? Cause these were problems I thought I would never care about again, right? Like I was like, these problems are so beyond my reality right now. Like how could I ever allow myself to be irritated by something so minuscule, right? So, so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But like, I think that like now it's like, it feels good to know that like I can well, obviously I'm not gonna like flip out and like break the coffee machine, but like I can be irritated by these little things, right? Like, cause it tells me that I'm not so broken and so shaken by these experiences that I can't continue to maintain a certain amount of experiences that are normal for someone who hasn't been through trauma or a certain weight on experiences that I think that having survived trauma like would seem just too insignificant to really think about or to care on. And I think that is a big win for me. I think my feelings now, like being able to be vocal about what I'm doing next, about where it is that I'm living, about like what my plans are, is all part of my recovery because part of my trauma was really having to say nothing, despite the fact that I knew that so much was being said that was isolating me and further putting me in a position of really true harm, right? And so now I, I can say that for those of you who are who have survived trauma and who are surviving trauma right now, you inform to what extent that trauma informs your identity. Entity. And I think claiming that power, the power of the pen to own the narrative around the experiences that we have that are daunting, horrific experiences, there's just so much beauty in that, right? And I think there, there is no beauty really in pain, but I think that beauty does come from the ashes. And my life experience personally, is a true testament of that. I haven't spoken about that situation at all because of how badly it escalated since I published those two videos in 2021, August of 2021. But here I want to come on here and speak to it. I mean, the journey is far from over. It's still continuing. I think that though I am different, I'm a different person engaging in it. I feel much more equipped. I feel much more prepared. I recognize the kind of people that I need in my corner to be able to really put this situation completely to bed and I'm ready for it, right? I'm not going to also lose out on the opportunity to live my best life and to continue to give myself the opportunity to have great, beautiful experiences and meet wonderful, beautiful people along the way. So that is the conversation for today. I hope that it was helpful to you. I hope that this has spoken to some of you who might be going through the same thing, who feel isolated in the communities that they're in. There are more people than you know who are prepared to support you, who are prepared to catch you if the people that you thought would be in your corner have failed to do so. So never lose hope. Always keep trying, keep 
pushing. Don't let what is happening to you break you, right? I think that we always have a choice as to whether or not something breaks us or makes us. And I think the harder the struggle, the more character and the more perspective you get as a result of it. If you can get on the other side of it and you can look at what it is you survived and what it is you went through, like I'm still in awe, like I'm still processing that. And I think the more that I fully understand like the extent of what it is that I'm going through. And a lot of that is just like removing the lens of shock and denial off a lot of experiences. Cause a lot of my experiences, I diluted them because I was in denial as to what they actually meant. So I've been going through that process personally as well. And I think that for all of you who are going through that process, it's a process worth going through. So don't shut down. It can be very painful. It can be jarring. It can be very emotional, but I think it can also be very cathartic and emancipating. It can free you from feeling like you are owned by that experience and you are defined by that experience because that is so far from the truth. So thank you all so much for tuning in. That is it, but definitely not all. Now, before letting you go, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know that we will be going live at least twice a month, every month for the foreseeable future on our Facebook page. So definitely be sure to tune in. Now, these events are paid events. So if you do see yourself participating in our community on an ongoing basis, then I do suggest that you take a look at one of our package plans. Yes, so we do offer package plans over and above our live events, as well as access to webinars and workshops, largely focused on self-mastery over and above these events. So we invite you all to tune in. We invite you to be part of our Game Changer community, being part of the change that you want to see, allowing us a small role to play in your journey. So we are on the road to 1K. We invite you to follow us across all of our social media platforms, and we look forward to chatting with all of you very soon. We'll talk to you later.